This is Ion Foxborough, the premier podcast for all things New England Patriots. Brought to you by Mass Live. In today's episode of Ion Foxborough, we're going to dive into the trade deadline. A very, very quiet trade deadline in Foxborough. Should the Patriots have done more? We'll get into that. Uh, who are their building blocks for the future? You know, take a long-term look with the commanders coming into town who are also rebuilding. We're going to dive into whether or not Josh McDaniels should return now that he's been fired in Las Vegas. And we got a game prediction, though not a terribly exciting game. Before we get to all that, though, got a couple of promo codes for you. At Caesars with promo code MASKET, if you bet $50, you'll get $250 in bonus bets. And at BetMGM with promo code MASKLIVE, you'll get a deposit match up to $1,000. One bet that I like this weekend is over in Germany, where the Patriots will be next weekend. And that's Dolphins as two-point underdogs against the Chiefs. You know, I would take Dolphins' money line in this game. I think they're going to win. I think the Chiefs are coming off a bad loss. They don't look great. And maybe it's recency bias because the Dolphins just punked the Patriots. But I, I think Miami wins this game outright. So that's a bet I would take for this weekend. And now let's get to the pod. Welcome back to the Ion Foxborough podcast. I'm Chris Mason here in Foxborough with Mark Daniels, where the trade deadline has come and gone, and the Patriots did nothing. Nothing. They did nothing. It's a stark contrast to what their next opponent, the Washington Commanders, did. The Washington Commanders sold. They traded Montez Sweat for a second-round pick, and then they traded Chase Young for a third-round pick. Essentially, Washington said, you know what? We're on 2024. In order to get that where we want to be, we're going to tank. They traded two of their best players for two day two draft picks. Interesting. Interesting that they did that, Chris. And now they get to go on, come here to Foxborough where the Patriots are favored. And the Patriots will probably beat them. But honestly, I don't think that's the biggest thing that we should be talking about right now is this Commanders-Patriots matchup. I know you all really want us to dive into the analytics and, and the numbers and what makes the Commanders and Patriots tick. But let's be honest, Chris. I was a bit disappointed with how the Patriots approached the deadline. How would, how would you describe your feelings on, on Tuesday? Honestly, I really didn't mind it. So I know coming into this in previous podcasts, we've been like, yeah, they should sell. Yeah, they should sell. Well, who are their two pieces that we said they should sell repeatedly? It was Kendrick Bourne, who is torn in his ACL, so he's no, no longer on the table. And it was Josh Uche. But I think the market dictated that you weren't going to get a real deal for him. You know, when Chase Young goes for a conditional, a third round comp pick, which is essentially a fourth round pick, that's telling you that they weren't going to do any better than a fifth round pick for Josh Uche. If that, do you know who the Patriots' last five fifth round picks were, Mark? Tell me. Tell me, Chris. Antonio Maffi, Cameron McGrone, Justin Rohrwasser, Byron Cowart, and Jake Bailey. All right, so so what you're saying is their their own picks kind of stink. It's it's interesting to think about it that in one they couldn't get a fourth round pick for Josh Uche. I mean, the reports out of Jacksonville. There's one reporter who said the Patriots wanted a fourth, the Jaguars offered a fifth, and Mike Giardi reported the Patriots and the Jaguars were round off, that which kind of matches up with that report. It's just interesting to me that no one in the NFL valued Josh Uche for anything more than a, a fifth round pick. I play devil's advocate here. I get what you're saying. Trading Josh Uche for a fifth round pick would probably make me come on this podcast and say, what an awful deal. Why would you give Josh Uche away? But if they lose him in March, I'm probably going to say, yeah, you probably should have got something for him. So I, I guess you could say, Mark, you're you're a jerk, which is fine. Mark, you're a jerk. It's just fine. Um, I, I think I think an issue with with the Patriots for me is their 
their plan or lack thereof, I don't really know what they're doing. Like, uh, clearly, they, they didn't trade Kyle Duggar, Mike Uwenu, and Chachuche, and maybe, guys, maybe they bring them back, right? You can extend them. And, like, this this boring trade deadline, it, it won't be all for naught if the Patriots bring those three guys back, who I think could be three core pieces going forward. The problem to me, though, Chris, is how they handled this last year's draft. So let's rewind a bit to April. The Patriots drafted Keon White in the second round, and I thought uh, maybe a Josh Uche-type replacement, right? A different player, someone who can play against the run in the past, but theoretically you could start Keon White if you lose Josh Uche. Then you draft Marte Mapu in the third round, a hybrid safety linebacker, a.k.a. a potential Kyle Duggar replacement. And then in the fourth and fifth round, you draft three interior offensive linemen, two guards, and I instantly thought, there's your Michael Wendell replacement. So maybe... The Patriots sign those three guys, Uche, Duggar, or Wenu. But it also seems like they also have their replacements on the roster, Chris. So I don't know what they're doing. Yeah, I mean, long-term vision is an entirely different and a much deeper, deeper conversation, particularly on the offensive side of the ball. You know, like, what did you want this team to be? And how did you, like, look at this from a long-term perspective? But for the deadline itself, like, I think they should re-sign a Wenu. I think they should re-sign eh, maybe Uche, but definitely Duggar. I mean, they should definitely bring Duggar back. And then I think that at this point, I would rather see Josh Uche for the next nine games for the rest of the season and see what he can do without Matthew Judon than have like a, if they traded a fifth round pick to the Jaguars, that's coming at the end of the fifth round. You know, what's more valuable? This sample size coming up where you can actually see, you know, can you do it? Can you generate pressure on your own? Where Where is the ceiling really? Or taking that pick. I think that that I think that's a fair argument. You're you're sort of swaying me. And I'll say this: if, if the Patriots, you know, bring back Josh Uche, I'll I'll be happy. I, I understand that as a situational pass rusher, Josh is not the type of player the Patriots historically give money to. That being said, correct me if I'm wrong, Chris. Matthew Judon will be 32 years old, coming off a fairly serious injury. The Patriots will have to plan for at some point life after Judon. And easiest way to replace a guy like that is to develop or keep around someone like Josh Uche, who had 11 and a half sacks a year ago. So I think I think in terms of viewing what they did or did not do with the trade deadline, the ultimate answer, which I say this a lot on the podcast, will be in the future. You know, come free agency, if they keep or lose these guys, we could sort of look back to November and, and be like, oh, yeah, they, they made the right move, or eh, it kind of hurts to lose those guys for nothing. But, Chris, at some point, you have to keep and re-sign your young blue chip players, right? The Patriots have not. I thought Zach Cox had a great tweet up the other day around the trade deadline that from 2014 to 2019, the Patriots have not extended any of their draft picks from the first three rounds. Guys, that is crazy. That is not how you build a team. The Patriots need blue chip prospects. They need building block players, Chris. And if it's not Kyle Duggar, Josh Uche, Mike Wenu, honestly, who is it? Like really, who, who like is on this roster? Yeah, long term building blocks. Yeah, let's 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 dive into it. You have Christian Gonzalez is number one. You know, I think he's 100%. he's the guy. And then a lot of question marks. You know, how do you value running backs? Do you put Ramondre Stevenson into that conversation? Where slow start this year, last couple of games, it looks like he's running angry again. He looks like himself. He's someone that you could build around, but are you going to pay a running back? Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I, I see what you're saying. Christian Gonzalez, guys, is, is if you listen to this podcast, you probably know about the Patriots. Christian Gonzalez is by far their best blue chip prospects. He looks like a legitimate number one player. I mean, I think Christian Gonzalez profiles as a Pro Bowl type cornerback. Great. He's here for the next five years. You, you, there's a building block. I would argue, um, Chris, I, I like your Ramondre Stevenson idea. I would say yes, because he's one of your best offensive players. He's 25 years old and the running back market stinks for these guys. I actually feel bad for running backs. I don't think he'll break the bank. I think the Patriots could keep him. Another guy who stood out this year, Demario Pop Douglas. I mean, six round pick at the very least, Chris, I think with Demario Douglas, you get a capable slot receiver who could at the very least be a Danny Amendola type, a 600-yard type guy, returns punts, and, and that's fine. You know, it's, that's that's fine. If you're going to draft, you're going to find that in the sixth round. I think right. that's a I think that's a massive win. Yeah, with Kendrick Bourne out for the season, Pop is the only exciting pass catcher left in the offense. He's the only one that, yeah. like, when he gets the ball in his hands, you're like, oh, where's this going, you know? Yeah, and, and I have a couple more for you. I, I would also say Christian Barmore is a guy the Patriots should look to keep around. I think over the last three games, Barmore has finally turned a corner. Now he yeah. has he has he has a situation with his knee that hasn't been great. That's... He was hurt last year on the injured reserve. You're gonna have to manage it, but he looks like kind of a game wrecking defensive tackle that the Patriots could anchor the defensive line with asterisks if healthy. He's another one that's gonna have a huge next nine games. You know, the rest of the season here. What kind of player are you going to be? Who are you moving forward? The knee injury does really scare me because this is three years in a row. He's landed on the injury report with the knee. And that's generally not something that gets better with time. But these last three games, he has been tremendous. You know, he's he's popping on film. He's wrecking pockets. And he's generating pressure from the interior defensive line, which is such a valuable thing. So he, he could be, but the, the knee scares me. Right. So we have Christian Gonzalez, Christian Barmore, Ramondre Stevenson, Demario Douglas for another one. I would say Keon White. Keon White, I think, is an, an interesting prospect. He had his best game in Miami. You know, he's he's what six five, two hundred ninety pounds. The thing I like about Keon White is that he can play on the edge at defensive end. He's big enough to also play on the inside, sort of at defensive tackle. He's raw. I mean, he guys. Yeah. He came in. A, Keon White came into college at Old Dominion as a tight end. Transferred what to Georgia Tech and tr- and translated to the defensive side of the ball. So he's a bit raw, but I, I like what we see from him, and, and I think he is like a decent pick. He's super raw, and, but I'm really curious to see how he can develop because if you watch him, even at the pass rush right now, it's like he has one move, which is bull rush, and it's a yes. good bull rush. But if he can add a couple more pass rush moves to his arsenal and like really refine them, you could have something there, but. Like you were saying, he's very raw still and needs more time to develop. And another one I'll throw out here, a guy that we will not see this year, which is unfortunate, is Marcus Jones. I would not give up on Marcus Jones, but last year as a rookie, Marcus Jones made an impact on defense, two interceptions. He made an impact on offense with whatever it was, four catches and scored a touchdown. And also, he was an all-pro, first-team all-pro punt returner as a rookie. I think Marcus Jones is also a guy who could be excited, exciting, sorry, if you know he stays healthy and, and a guy that you shouldn't discount. But other than these like five, six players, Chris, it you sort of look at the roster and you say, all right, they don't have much star power. They don't have many blue chip prospects, which really brings us to the problem on this roster today. Well, and it's also alarming that we ran through those like potential building blocks in all of them, except Christian Gonzalez had like an asterisk, like, yeah, he, he could be a building block, but there's also this element to it where I feel like Gonzalez is the only slam dunk. Like, yeah, this guy is a dude. And that's based on like one month sample size. It was a very, very good sample size, but it's just it's there aren't a lot of sure things moving forward. No, and and like the easiest thing for the Patriots to do, honestly, would have been to trade players and get draft picks. But the fact 
They didn't have guys who other teams were valuing in those second, third, fourth round. Also shows you what other people think of the Patriots roster. Like, say what you want about the Washington Commanders. They at least had two valuable assets other teams coveted. And with those two assets, they got they now have five draft picks in the first three rounds. The Commanders, by the way, Chris, has the same amount of cap space next year, $91 million, as the Patriots. Like, the Commanders have put themselves in, I'd say, decent shape to try to rebuild this offseason. They're going to draft. They're going to sign free agents. The Patriots have the cap space, but they also have a boatload of free agents. And draft picks, as I mention every week, they don't have any extras up until the sixth round. But like the Patriots, the Commanders, I also do not think have a long-term answer at quarterback and are going to be in the same spot because I don't think Washington's going to end up at the bottom of the league. I don't think they're going to have a one or a two pick. So I don't know if they're getting Caleb Williams, Drake May. And with that, I don't know really what the like long-term projection looks like for them. So I think they're still in similar boats, even if Washington looks a little better with the extra draft picks. No, absolutely. I mean, it's it, like anytime you're a team that doesn't have the quarterback, you're, you're just in this sort of awful space in the NFL, or it's like, all right, you could theoretically maybe hit on a quarterback the next year. But really in this draft class, if you don't get like a top, three pick or trade up to a top three pick, you might not get the next big thing who is Drake may or Caleb Williams. I actually have a question for you though, Chris, that's pertinent to this game in the weeks forward. If the Patriots beat the commanders and then they beat the Colts, does it give you a different outlook on Bill Belichick in this team? Or are these wins what you would chalk up to be sort of like fake shadow wins and fake boost of confidence? Like how, how should people view this, this schedule? I mean, it's the equivalent of a backdoor cover, you know, where they could finish like seven and 10 based on winning some of these games. But anyone watching them knows they're already out of contention. You know, when Halloween went by their last place in the entire AFC. So I I do think they're going to pad the stats a little down the stretch and maybe like, you know, Vegas had them at six and a half wins to start the year. They might backdoor cover that with some soft games down the stretch, but it doesn't change how I feel at all about this team where they have not shown the ability to compete with real contenders they're not going to come close to a playoff berth and so no those like I'm, this weekend's a perfect example where you're playing a washington team that just sold their two best defensive players you know right so the patriots are a team that theoretically could beat several teams on their roster but as we've seen chris they can actually lose to anyone yeah. and i think a very good point there is one the saints but two even more importantly or our better point would be the Las Vegas Raiders. As you all probably know, the Raiders just Raiders just fired Josh McDaniels, Dave Ziegler, and, and their OC, Mick Lombardi. They only won three games this year. Of course, one was against the Patriots. Josh McDaniels only had nine wins as a head coach over there in Las Vegas. Two were against Bill Belichick in the Patriots. Dude, what is with that, with Bill's Yikes. assistants that go other places and can't beat anyone except Bill? Patricia did that in Detroit, too, where it's like, where is this coming from? They just, yeah, it's weird. So, I mean, Josh McDaniels now has nothing to do for the rest of the year. I mean, he's going to collect a sweet paycheck for a couple of years now, which, you know, obviously stinks to get fired, but has that going for him. Would you want him back in New England? You know what? Yes. The answer is yes. And you just, you just said the key word. He has a sweet paycheck coming to him for a few years, which means the Patriots could get Josh McDaniels on the cheap. It's exactly what happened with Matt Patricia. It's exactly what happened and is still happening right now with Joe Judge. Joe Judge is still getting paid by the Giants, which is why he's here. And as soon as Matt Patricia's contract with the Lions ended, guess what happened, folks? He wasn't back. He's well, in, I mean, there, there's some other stuff going on, too, that wasn't great. Fair point. Fair point. However, I do think 
Josh McDaniels would be a solid addition. I'd also add Dave Ziegler as well. Dave Ziegler, I thought, did a pretty good job. He was really only here in charge of the personnel department for one year. It was 2021. That year, there were some swings in free agency, but they also signed Matthew Judon, Hunter Henry, and Kendrick Bourne. That draft, okay, you have Mac Jones, Christian Barmore, and Ramondre Stevenson. I thought the direction under Ziegler wasn't terrible. And frankly, it's been worse since he left. So if I'm the Patriots, one, I bring back Josh Shore. Would be awkward to Bill O'Brien. And two, I would also think about bringing back Dave Ziegler in some form or capacity. It's kind of fascinating to look at that 21 draft as more time passes where this is why you can't look at drafts right away. You have to give them a couple of years sure. where that was supposed to be. Oh, that's this is the draft that turned everything around where this this was a really good one. And it's like, OK, Mac has shown that he's not the guy moving forward. Barmore has potential. He's also dealing with the knee. But I mean, that could end up being a very good pick. Third round was Ronnie Perkins, who played zero snaps for the team. Not so good. there you go. Not ideal. You got Ramondre in the fourth, who's, you know, very good player, running back, good. And then nothing after that. So you have two contributors from that draft. I'll say this. The Patriots didn't miss on Mac Jones. Honestly, that was the right pick. You look there at 15. There was really no one else in the fifth round. And also they needed a quarterback. You brought Mac Jones in under Josh McDaniels. You won 10 games. That was the right pick, even if it doesn't work out. Now, you could say the Patriots did the wrong thing to develop him, which they didn't develop him, and he actually got worse. But I would argue Mac was the right pick, even if it wasn't a slam dunk. But here's the thing. Could Josh McDaniels coexist with Bill O'Brien? I have two different trains of thought on this. I think anytime you can add a talented, offensive-minded assistant coach who gets along with your quarterback, it's a good thing. I also do wonder if that would not be fair to Bill O'Brien, who clearly is having some issues. Yeah, so I'd totally be okay with bringing Josh back, but I think you just have to be clear in what the roles are, where Bill's never going to be clear with the roles in the media guide or with us, but behind the scenes... You got to have like a set kind of hierarchy and, you know, give Josh his own lane. But you totally would be just stomping on O'Brien's toes if you just throw Josh back into the mix and are like, all right, here we go. You know, like so if you define what they're doing, I think it's totally fine. But I think that's a step that really needs to be taken. I also wonder if the uncertainty around Bill Belichick would make Josh McDaniels or anyone, any coach, say Mick Lombardi, you know, he Mick Lombardi coach receivers and he's the Patriots. I would argue they need maybe better coaching of the receivers, but yeah. you can make the argument that there is uncertainty around Bill Belichick. And maybe that doesn't make for the greatest landing spot for someone like Josh McDaniels. Like, sure. He could come in here for the next nine games, help coach up Mac Jones and try to get him back on track. But if Bill Belichick is gone, it's not really going to help him. You, you know what I mean? Could he backdoor his way into that opening? If Bill <laughs> yeah. is gone. I mean, Robert Kraft gave him get off the plane money once. He clearly likes him a lot. I don't know how he feels after watching Vegas and all that, but could he like weasel his way back in? No, that would be insane. I, Robert Kraft has hired what guys? Two head coaches. Since his time, it's been Pete Carroll and Bill Belichick. And if all of a sudden he was to give Josh McDaniels his third opportunity, I would say it'd be a horrible sign for Kraft um, and where the Patriots franchise is headed. There is zero shot Josh McDaniels would become the next Patriots head coach. You just can't do it. He's failed twice. You know what? I always say this about head coaching in the NFL. You can get a second opportunity, but you got to make it a good one. And I think that's why Josh backed out of the Indy job because there was some uncertainty there, one with the quarterback situation, which is ironic, but also two with the ownership. So he goes to Vegas where he thought he'd have a longer leash, and he had a ton of uncertainty at the quarterback position, which was his own doing because they traded Derek Carr. And also their quarter, their owner didn't give him a long leash. So I think Josh McDaniels, his future as, a, as an offensive coordinator, and he should just relish in that. 
So ultimately, do you think he got a fair shake in Vegas? No, I, I don't think he did. They made some massive mistakes. Um, they didn't have a quarterback for two years. That That's really all it takes in the NFL, right? If you don't have the right quarterback, then, it, then it's all over. But he didn't even get two years. I, I go back to what Bill Belichick said years ago. Bill Belichick said he felt it took him four years as a head coach here in New England before he finally had – you know, the sort of the team and the system and everything he wanted, which is interesting because by his fourth year, he already won, what, two Super Bowls? One, say, three Super Bowls? Yeah. So Bill Belichick made that point once when arguing against Chip, I think it was uh, it was Chip Kelly's firing from the Eagles. He thought Chip didn't get enough time. And I think, unfortunately, for Josh McDaniels, I don't think he got enough time. Sure, the team was horrible. But I think at the very least, you need to give a new head coach three to four years. And I understand from the standpoint of an owner, how you get sort of antsy when you see things going the wrong way. I just, I, I didn't agree with it. There are some arguments against the, what I'm saying though, Chris, I could also yeah. bring them up. But. Well, I mean, I can also do that. It's a yeah. podcast, <laughs> but they are three and five right now. They have a better record than the Patriots still. And yeah, I, I think it's ridiculous not to give a coach two years. And even more than that, Ziegler, like you fire the personnel guy too. And I get that they missed badly on jimmy and that contract is going to age well or age really poorly and like it's it's not a good situation but to give those guys less than two years we're just talking about how you can't properly evaluate a draft class like we're it's like oh you can kind of kind of like go back and look at the 21 class accurately now that was ziegler drafting here so you can't see any of the long-term effects of the personnel work that's gone on so i I agree i mean he should have had a longer leash out there it stinks that he (laughs) Hasn't gotten two full seasons in either stop where honestly, I think the Denver stuff was a lot more complicated because they had like the taping stuff going on too. And it was, that was a whole mess where this one is just like Mark Davis, man, you want to talk about people that don't have long-term vision. Mark Davis is quintessential. Like what, what, what's the plan here, bud? Well, how about Josh McDaniels undoing too? He's an offensive minded coach and his undoing at both of his head coach stops came down to his quarterback decisions in Denver. They traded, it was what Jay Cutler. Yep. And they brought in the quarterback was Kyle Orton. Yep. And then he drafted in the first round Tim Tebow, which was a disaster. Mm. And then in Vegas, they don't like Derek Carr. So they do away with him to draft Aiden O'Connell in the fourth round and sign Jimmy Garoppolo. Like but for a guy also, who's supposed to be an offensive genius, I'd say those quarterback decisions killed him. Right. And it's also like you got to have a pulse to the locker room where Devontae Adams is very, very close with Derek Carr. And I get not wanting Carr to be the long-term answer, but even if you let him be the short-term answer and let him keep playing out that extension that you signed him to, you might still have a job now because Adams isn't lighting people up all over the field. And, you know, then the owner's embarrassed after Monday night football and overreacts because that's just what he does. And I don't know, but I mean, I guess I like long answer short, he did totally whiff on two huge quarterback decisions as a quarterback Coach, I wouldn't say quarterback guru when you have Tom Brady, but like a guy that's supposed to specialize in that. And when when he when the Raiders fired Josh, Chris, I I instantly thought about Bill Belichick, thinking like, man, how many coaches would get this type of leash that Bill's on right now? I mean, Bill is headed for a sub five hundred season three out of the last four years. They are, you know, their last place in the division, one of the worst teams in the AFC. I mean, honestly, if it wasn't for Bill's past, he's probably gone. Yeah. And I mean, the bigger issue for me, even than that, is that there's no long term vision. There's no like, okay, well, we're we're building towards something here. You know, there are going to be growing pains, but we're ultimately going to get there. That hasn't happened where, you know, you went Cam Newton for the bridge year. Fine. That was your reset year, whatever. You signed up for a million dollars. 
But then you draft Mac and just have no vision for what's going to happen from there. Now you have a quarterback who's going to enter his fourth year next year, and you you don't you don't know who's actually going to be a quarterback. It, it, it's a subtle mess, and there's just no vision where it's like, take a step back. What do you want this offense to be? What do you want this team to be? I don't know. Is the vision like the 2001 Patriots? Run the ball, middle of the field, play good defense? Like, it's not the league anymore. It stinks. It's not. Patriots in their last 16 games, Chris, they're 3-11. and 11. I'm sorry, they're 5-11 and 11 in the last 16. So since last year's bye week, the Patriots are just 5-11. and 11. That's, I mean, that's honestly right now under Bill, there, there is no direction, which is why I am critical of their lack of action on the trade deadline. But hey, we'll see, because I think this week, I'll, final thing, we'll, we'll, we always end these po- Thursday podcasts or Friday podcasts with a prediction. I'll say the Patriots are going to go out and win. I think it's going to be an ugly game. You all might not have fun watching it, but I think Patriots 20, Commanders 16, and Patriots walk away with a, with a win. <laughs> I was to say, Patriots 20, Commanders 17, and you're going to totally forget about this game a year from now, because it's going to be so brutal and unmemorable but hey keep tuning in anyways we're gonna have these podcasts that aren't gonna totally focus on boring games and you know they'll be good so keep listening all right thanks guys catch you later on down the trail this has been ion foxborough Brought to you by Mass Live.